Hey, this is Kevin Stobo, and you're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. What did that drop, eh? A little bit? A little <laughs> Yuck Yucks is still the best place to have your office party or event. Just go to yuckyucks.com for details about our group rates. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. is going on my little yuckamaniacs this is your host jake hirsch welcome to the show uh the show is uh, the yuck yucks comedy podcast by the way in case uh, in case you just happen to stumble upon this uh this magnificent piece of art Yay. thank you yes it is artwork that we perform here that we present to you uh <clears throat> the finest interviews this side of the great wall between yeah, eventually, I think there's going to be a wall between the United States and Canada, uh, depending on who gets elected. Now, I'm not going to go off on another political rant here. Uh, I digress for a second. Uh, I, I I'm concerned, folks. I really am. I know as the weeks have gone by, this all started off as a big joke. But uh, listen, we're getting down here to the nitty gritty. We're going to be having a uh, nominee here in the United States uh, pretty soon. And by God, I hope it is not Donald. Jay, I'm not sure if it's Jay or not. Uh, Donald Trump. I really pray to God that this sick, practical joke uh, is exactly what it is. Uh, at the end of it all, he's going to tear off a mask and um, just start uh, laughing and saying, <laughs> it's actually Oprah. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I wish that he would just at some point turn around and say, you know what? You know what? This was just one big social experiment where I wanted to say the most extreme crazy shit and see if people would actually go along for the ride. Now, I was just having this conversation tonight over dinner. Um, <clears throat> and I know this is not a political talk show. I know people are probably tired of hearing me rant about the states. But come on. Come on. you, you uh, Canadians are informed people. We're very informed. And as I said, this is not just a Canadian podcast. This is, this is a, a, you know, whoever wants to get in on a podcast. But let's be honest. The majority of listeners here are Canadian, I believe. And Canadians are very informed people. We know what's going on in the world. We're not one of those countries where we just listen and focus on ourselves and, and never hear what's going on around the world. We're very informed. And uh, as long as we have stations like uh, like any network that has the news, as long as we have the news out there, we're going to see this fucking clown show down south transpire. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. But, uh, you know, it, what's the dangerous part of this entire equation is, is that we do not know who we're giving the keys to, <laughs> who we're giving the keys to the house to. Oh, man, there is a lot to consider out there in the real world and a lot of people that you have to get along with and network with and uh, talk, uh, talk with and uh, communicate and trade and, and all those types of things. And you really got to stop and consider who do you want running that show, that shit show? And I can assure you, uh, it's uh, <laughs> some of these guys are just priceless. It's great. I really uh, invite people. I, I encourage people just to sit down and, and watch just one town hall, one town hall meeting uh, or one debate um, for the Republican Party in the United States. 
Yes, I said at the Republican Party, I am a fierce liberal Democrat. And I know, I know that's not always the popular politics. That's not popular politics, mister, especially not in the Bible Belt. But yes, I am a very fierce Democrat, very big liberal guy. And to hear people, uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious because you can switch back and forth between like a Democratic debate or interview and a Republican debate or interview. And the contrast in what needs to happen is so insane between the two parties. The rhetoric is so absolutely distorted and, and insane that you could never understand how both of these parties are able to even coexist. I don't like part of me is just like, maybe we do need to just slash a big line right down the middle of the country and say, you know what? You can take Jersey, New York, Florida, and uh, you know, we'll just cut it right down the middle of Texas, Houston over baby straight North all the way East. You guys can have it. The rest of us will be, in California, we'll be in Oregon, we'll be in New Mexico, we'll be in Arizona, we'll be in Nevada, we've got Vegas, we've got LA. I can't believe I'm actually talking and encouraging people to separate from the country. But listen, here's what I'm trying to say, is that it's very amazing, as an American, that I have this perspective now after being invited into your country, into Canada. It's absolutely unbelievable. Now, I come from a pretty rough place as far as politics, Texas. You can't get any rougher than that. I also come from California, which might seem liberal. It might seem that people out there are very liberal, but in fact, it's a very Republican state. You got to remember, California gave us Ronald Reagan and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, so it's not all just hippies and daisies and pot smoking out there and rioting. It is an actual Republican. There's a lot of old school conservatives there that control the power, control the money. But what's amazing is that it takes me having to move to Canada and live here for the last, you know, however many years now, uh, to gain that perspective. I mean, I always, I've always been a Democrat. I've always been a liberal guy. I've always believed in things like healthcare and, 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 you know, uh, cheap school and all that. Not that we've got super cheap school here, but you get the point, uh, government assistance for the people who need it. And we're there to help. We're there to, to lend a hand, but you don't understand the things that you have until you do not have those things. Now living over here. Now it feels like I've been a Canadian my entire life. Now it feels like, I couldn't think of my life without healthcare. I couldn't think of a university I wouldn't want to send my daughter to. I couldn't think of uh, being afraid to go to an outdoor event or a mall because somebody's going to come in and start shooting up the place. I couldn't think of that right now. I couldn't think about moving back to the States and living in that lifestyle again. I couldn't. This fear, 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 fear. You would think that America is under attack by ISIS 24-7, that there's terrorist attacks every week, that there's bus bombings and restaurant bombings and all these horrible things every single week, the way that these people talk about securing the country. I, I know I'm going down a dark path here, folks, and I, I don't mean to bring you down. But sometimes 
it's not all about comedy. Sometimes it's about what's going on and the things that you see and the things that bother you. And you know what? By God, this is a forum in which I was given a voice to speak in. And every week I love sitting here talking shop, talking comedy. I love it. But sometimes things bother me and I have to speak up about it. And unfortunately, you are the ones that have the ears to the speakers right now listening to my rant. But I promise you that's all it is. It's a rant. Sitting here tonight thinking about uh, how wonderful this country is, how beautiful the people are, and how talented the ones that I've been able to sit down and meet and and grace uh, this podcast with. And perhaps I'm in kind of a... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? God damn it. Perhaps I'm in a reflective mood, maybe. Reflective mood. And and maybe it is. I recently got an email from a friend of mine who's thinking about getting into comedy uh, on the promotional side of things, on promotions, on promoting uh, comedy. And, and, and he's a good dude. He's a good guy. And he is coming into this business with the idea of obviously creating more opportunities for Canadian comedians, which I think is, is absolutely wonderful. I'm become a very big uh, proponent of that for, for people out there that are comedians. And he asked me because we had ties uh, from a Northern, uh, sorry, another community, which was the mixed martial arts community. We were good, good friends in that community. And we worked with a lot of the same people. And one of the questions that he had asked me in this email was, uh, and I hope I'm not, uh, you know, divulging anything here that he wanted to keep private. But it, I, it, it's it's just a, a, a interesting side note. He had he was concerned about if I get into this business, would I ever be resented for, you know, creating opportunities for talent? For you know, if I put up my own festival or if I did a theater show or if I did and, and you know would people resent me in this business would, you know, are they difficult to work with or comedians? What are they like? What's it like? You've been around comedians now for the past eight months full time. And, and I have, I mean, I've been in this comedy business now for eight months. It's been amazing. And my words to him were that the comedy community that I have been introduced to not only in Calgary, because I've met a lot of traveling comedians is hands down the best, people that I've ever come across in my entire life. I have been involved in a lot in my lifetime. I've been involved in in aspects of law enforcement. I have been involved in social work. I have been involved in managing uh, fighters. Uh, I have been involved in promoting and and entertainment business and, and everything that you could think of. But out of all of those various communities and subcultures of communities, comedians in the comedy industry by far has been the best experience of my entire life. And I want to say thank you to those that I have met, to those that I have uh, still correspond with and and talk to on a daily basis and, and, you know, shoot ideas with back and forth. Thank you for welcoming me, welcoming me uh, into this fabulous and uh, amazing community of people that you guys all are. And I don't want to get too much further with it. I just want to say thank you. And my advice to him was comedians are the best people that you could ever uh, affiliate yourself with. And uh, that's the truth. So on to the show this week, 
I sit down with the very funny Mr. Pat McDonald. Pat, I'm sorry I had to do that intro right before your show. <laughs> I swear to God, it wasn't planned. It just came out, and I couldn't stuff it away any longer. Um, but listen, we segued a lot from politics to the comedy business, and uh, I'm I'm just I'm spent this week emotionally. But uh, what I am happy that I'm spent with is that I spent time with. Hey, that was a good one. I spent time with Pat McDonald. I sat down uh, with Pat uh, during this marathon podcast interview uh, series that we did last week, and it was absolutely unreal. Pat McDonald is one of the funniest guys I've had the pleasure of sitting down with. Uh, We talk everything about how he got involved in the business, his family, uh, how much support they have been to him. The fact that he's never met a black person until he was about 19 years old, that stuck out for me. Uh, But hey... Check him out. If you see him, look him up. Uh, I encourage you guys to do so. Uh, I think we dropped the links in the contact info at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. Lots more of those of these fine and wonderful interviews coming up. But without further ado, let's go talk to my buddy, Pat McDonald. I mean, and I, I, I had even, cause I had just, he, Chris came to my, my little comedy night the other night there and mm-hmm. just as kind of, you know, support. And, uh, but I said, you know, like it's sad cause it, it, you know, in a sense, I mean, people don't think about the effect that it has, even if it is just the room or whatever. I mean, you're effectively kind of, you're, you're, you're squashing some jobs from comedians that come into town that do his show. That's and exactly it. Yeah. yeah like you and I, b- before we effect. started recording, we're, we're talking about talking just about that, that. Yeah. where it makes all the, the difference in the world to the majority of, uh, touring comics for sure. It does. How long have you been in comedy for? Uh, coming up on eight years, eight years. Yeah. How did that start for you? Um, oh, it's weird, man. Uh, I kind of decided when I was 13, that I wanted, like I was always making people laugh, that I wanted to do it. Right. But I had no motivation. Uh, and then I was in a relationship with a girl, and she was uh, a shitbag. And, <laughs> and she was like, oh, you'll never be a comedian. And I was like, no okay. Way. So, so we, she broke, was like, we broke up, and right. I was like, I'll prove that bitch wrong. <laughs> but the pro- so it was spite. I'm yeah. fueled completely by spite and anger. Uh, in every, everything that I do, of- it's really bad. But... Um, I also have uh, social anxiety disorder. No way. So I was booked on the same open mic for like seven or eight weeks in Toronto, which right. is where I now live. Right. Um, and I would drive in from Oakville, where I grew up. So it's like 30, 40 minute drive. Sure. In the winter. So there's oh, snow. Shit. Roads yeah. are garbage. And I pulled up and I was always so nervous that I would just drive home. No way. And then when I got home, I would message the guy and be like, oh, I went through every possible i had like seven grandfathers who died it was pathetic <laughs> but eventually i was like you know what you just have to do it you gotta do it and then i did it and uh it wasn't the worst right and uh it's it's still not the worst um <laughs> i'm enjoying it quite a bit and you've got this bit man, right. where i and, and i don't even think it's a bit it's it's a story mm-hmm. about uh, i, I want to say it's your sister and there was, or no, it was somebody it? with a dead dog. That oh, it was my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> girlfriend, sister is actually the same thing for me. So it's <laughs> hand in hand, man. 
Why not? <laughs> that is such a killer story, man. I love it. Yeah, the there's, guy, like, there's one about uh, our cat. Right, right. And, I mean, obviously it's twisted a little bit for humor. Sure. But, yeah, and we have a dog as well. <laughs> and not my choice. But the whole thing about, like, getting getting the cat is that part 100% true. No shit. And uh, I was not a cat person. Growing up. No. no. I Still never not. had pets, and she had pets her whole life. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but now the cat and I, I miss the cat more than I miss my girlfriend. <laughs> I tell her, and she knows. He, I've taught him to play fetch. No way. He is, uh, he's the king of my world. No he's way. He's so great. It's yeah. so funny how you get attached to, to things like that. Like, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I, I fucking hated cats growing yeah. up. I just never had that... I don't know what it was. It just never was like they're never fucking enjoyed. They're never happy to see anybody, and and it's just one of those. Yeah, it's for almost, the most part. It's, like for me, it was this weird dichotomy where it was like it, it symbolized a lot of uh, of relationships for me over the years. It was like here's this fucking thing that doesn't like to pay attention to me, doesn't like me yeah. on some level, and doesn't respect me, and mm-hmm. and unless I kiss its ass. It still doesn't really pay too much attention to me. So it was this weird metaphor, I think. You're talking cats. about the ex-girlfriend, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> cool. And then I got married, and she had two cats. But over time, I was like, next thing you know, it's like sitting on my stomach while I'm like watching TV. I'm laying yeah. on the couch, and you just start to slowly get create this bond with this animal that you. Previously it didn't take long hated. for me. It was like the first day. Yeah. And that was it. But no my way. my guy's more like a dog. Like he plays fetch. He's. Very playful and fun. That's hilarious. Yeah. Man. That's and crazy. then our dog will try and hump him and fight. <laughs> and it is. I, I cut off cable because I was like, this better shit happening <laughs> in my car. Right yeah. Why, why would I pay money? <laughs> so tell me about being on the road, man. How often are you on the road? Are you on the road quite a bit? Right um, now? Not that frequently. Like I've, uh, I've been out to the East Coast. So Halifax right. and, and Newfoundland a couple times. What uh, was that like for you? Um, it's pretty good. I mean, like, uh, the Halifax club is, is probably, uh, my favorite club that is I've it? played. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. they're, they're great. And I have uh, a couple friends in the area and that mm-hmm. really helps because I mean, sometimes you're touring with the same comics and sometimes you're, you're kind of flying solo. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's good. Uh, Halifax is great. And then Newfoundland is, is decent for sure. I heard it's just one big fucking party. Yeah, it is. Afterwards. I'm getting older, though, be. so it's like, ah, I don't... <laughs> you want to go out on the uh, all-nighters like, anymore? I'm like a 70-year-old widow. Where it's like, <laughs> I just want my cat and my sweatpants. That <laughs> is what I've become. So, it's... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm aging quickly. What... Because, it, 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 like, when I talk to, to comedians on the road, and, and they, they say a lot of similar things about, like, oh, man, I fucking got here for two weeks, living out of a suitcase. Yeah. You know, and of, like, you know... 20 day, you know, run all over the country and stuff. I, and there was a part of me that's like, Oh wow, man. Like that would be fucking killer to go town to town yeah. and, and hang out and, and, you know, party and everything. And then I'll go to like a local place and I'll hang out with some people and we'll go out and have fun. And the next morning I'm just like, I can't fucking imagine doing that every single, like three, four nights a week. Yeah. I mean, and the, then, the yeah. thing is, uh, with me kind of speaking to what you said is I like when I get these bookings mm-hmm. I'm so excited right I'm like oh this is going to be so great yeah um, you're paid to travel sure and tell jokes right. and you're doing like quality shows with yuck yucks it's not like oh I'm gonna I'm booked to do these open mics where I <laughs> yeah. might not get paid so right, right there's like the the there's the financial side is is covered off sure um 
but then a day or two leading up to the flight, like I'll just say to my girlfriend for nonstop for two days, like, I don't want to fucking go. I don't want to go. I yeah. don't want to go. Yeah. But then I get out here and it's fun. Right. Um, but like, yeah, homesickness, like certainly, sure. certainly kicks in. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, speaking to what you said, uh, just as far as like going out every night. Right. No. Can't Not me. No, I go out, do the shows. If it's in a casino, play a little blackjack. Right, right. Come back, eat, and then just kind of hang out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to bars and doing shots. And it's and it's funny too because I I had watched this. I think it was like a, a final episode of like Louis or something like that, where where he kind of did this uh, this episode about life on the road and and what it could be like. And and I think in that episode, it really. It spoke to a lot of people. It spoke to me a lot as far as just looking at what a lot of these guys, you guys end up going through. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you get, you know, you get booked into a condo and, and the person you're sharing the condo with is a fucking party animal and, and loves to yeah. be up and stuff like that. It must be, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it, it, it it's a very alternative lifestyle. Oh, yeah. To have to travel, to have to do all these types of things, to leave loved ones at home and, and where... I've seen over the course of, of people's careers where, where things like commitment, you know, whether it be to a car, whether it be to a mortgage, whether it be to a girlfriend, mm-hmm. those are all very scary things in the line of work of comedy. They can be. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, assuming that's kind of the rule, I'm certainly the exception. Like, mm-hmm. a long-term relationship. No shit. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just never cheated on her or anyone else. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I'm just a, I'm just a boring guy off stage. <laughs> no Honestly. Way. Really? Yeah. I just like when I'm home, I go out and do shows. Aside from that, I, yeah. I'm just home. That's it. Do you find that that helps? We're getting into relationship talk now, right here on the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Oh, baby. Relationship hour. Because uh, I think, I think in, in certain relationships, it, 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 you know, Ian Sroda and I were talking about this. It, it almost helps relationships a little bit to, you know, I mean, not necessarily where you're gone at all the time. Yeah. But I think it kind of lends to a bit of flavor to a relationship where. It does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can take off for a week and it's nothing greater than coming back to the airport and seeing your girlfriend waiting for you. Yeah, if it's or an like Uber a, driver, if, one of the two. If it's like a week, right? Oh, if it was an Uber driver, I'm, I'll start <laughs> dating the Uber, dri- Uber driver. We have a car. Better be there, baby. Don't be late. That is it. I will go back out on the road <laughs> immediately. <And> then what? <laughs> then what? Who's going to clean that litter box? <laughs> exactly. Priority straight. Oh. Um, a little bit of time away is good, but yeah. I'm gone for something like 17 days. Holy shit! That's a little much. That's that's a it can, good portion of a month, man. Yeah, it can it can get a wow. uh, put like a minor strain. Like there's there's nothing but trust in our relationship. I'm right. lucky because I've been through just a laundry list of of shitbag girls. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and not in terms of like cheating, but just in terms of them uh, just kind of being like uh, just immature right. and selfish. But right. not the Overly girl I'm with needy. is yeah. great, and like that that's really what what makes it doable. Mm-hmm. Like if she was needy and yeah, oh, you can't leave kind of thing, then yeah, yeah, it would uh, it just wouldn't work. Has comedy opened up a lot of doors for you? For I mean, ultimately, uh, career tra- trajectory wise, where do you see yourself wanting to be? Do you see yourself wanting um, to do stand up? Do you want to get into writing? Do, you know, yeah, I want to get get into writing. Like yeah. I, I love stand up, like the live aspect of it, right. where it's just instant kind of gratification, for lack yeah. of a better term, uh, is huge. Like that's that's why you get into it, right? Um, but writing as well. I mean, like I'm not. Um, you know, an over-the-top performer, and so I, I rely a lot on my writing. Right. Uh, and that's just something that interests me and kind of something I'm working on very early stages right now. Right, but right. 
yeah, it's uh, that's certainly something that uh, that appeals to me. Do you find that it's hard to to make that uh, that trend transition from the written word? Because I mean, obviously, there's a lot of comedians out there that will just pull out their cell phone and make a note of some observational joke or situation. I do that all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you find that that's hard to transition to stand up uh, to form your your jokes that way, or, or do you find that that uh, that you're just as equally talented writing the written word of, of, of joke because it's a very different animal to form a joke in a oh, written yeah. word than it is to stand up and actually do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, writing has, has really always been my strength. So like taking an idea from life and being able to kind of formulate that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and just kind of get, get the proper structure down. Right. Yeah. That's, that's something that I would say is, is, probably my greatest strength yeah yeah yeah. so do you think that that there's a lot of opportunities in canada that afford you those things or do you you believe that ultimately you're going to have to go to a larger market Uh, just just in terms of like uh like writing for like a series or for film yeah yeah. um there's really i mean well the thing is there's the internet right Right. so if you want to kind of make your own moves uh you just have to get off your ass and and work hard yeah Um, but in terms of like network television or cable um, there's not a ton of opportunity in Canada. No. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, if, if that was somebody's end goal, then, I mean, moving to the States or at least working with a company in the States would certainly I, I, I make guess, more sense. I guess is that, is, that, is that something that's always in the back of people's minds here? I'm very and, – and people that listen to, to this podcast know that I'm, I'm, this has been kind of an obsession of, of, of mine anyway with with comedians here i mean there's you've got some fucking phenomenal talent here oh yeah and there's people that i've talked to in los angeles that have been like we love canadian like, there's so much talented people that That's come down what and they we're say, known for yeah, in the states is, is and, comedy and comedy yeah. and all this type of stuff I, I guess what i'm trying to say is is it always in the back of your mind that the ultimate definition of success for you in your career does it mean you're going to have to make that move of eventually um i i wouldn't say that is like the determining uh factor as mm-hmm. far as success um and i mean i say that because like if you look like at a guy like uh brent butt right right sure. uh, as an example he had like two or three different tv shows right. he made a movie he i've never seen him live but mm-hmm. i hear he's one of the best comics in the country i've heard great great stuff yeah about never him. a negative thing so right. i mean that's definitely a, a pretty high level of success. I yeah. mean, I guess it, it all depends on what somebody personally is looking for. And for me, uh, I'm not 100% sure, mm-hmm. to be completely honest with you, right. whether, you know, that would kind of make or break the, the success factor. Right. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny in a way that, I mean, uh, since I've been in, in the arena of, of uh, comedy and the people that I've talked to, it's really nobody's like, oh, I've been doing this for a year, six months. I decided to try it out. This is people have been doing this for eight years, 10 years, yeah. 15 years, 20 years. Some people have it, you know, when I ask them, uh, you know, where do you see the pinnacle of your career going or, or the, the art, you know, and, and, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, yeah, 20 years is probably, you know, like you start getting really good and you start <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, holy fuck. Oh, man. yeah. Like you don't jump in and. Just knocking out of the home park. runs yeah. in, in three months. Yeah. That that does not happen. I think the funny part is that when you see people react to comedy, when you see people that they're they're huge fans of these, you know, monsters that you know, like Russell Peters and, and you know, guys like Louie and, and yep. stuff like that. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. Oh, I've been watching Louis's show for five years. This guy's been doing it for fucking twenty years, twenty five years. Oh yeah. It's just they haven't been 
on the cert, they haven't been seen in the last they're, 10 years. They're lucky it if it works that way. Like a Russell Peters, people, yeah. I, I read his book, and like when he blew up because of YouTube, sure. he was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Right. And he was like, oh shit, now I need a new 45 minutes. Right. So he spent, I think it was like six months uh, just writing and working out a new 45 minutes because it's great that people all over the world think you're funny on youtube but right. he's obviously a very smart and hard-working guy sure and he was like if i don't give them more than what i got i mean yeah. what what the fuck am i gonna do exactly. right how so. how much of a motivation is that for you to write i know there's a lot of comedians that they get stuck in that in that hamster wheel of, of just going town to town and eking out the same the yeah same set do you? How do you get that motivation? Or do you have to sit down and actually dedicate time or yeah, time or yeah, time or yeah, time or yeah, time? I do a little bit. Where it was like you know you mix the your setup a little bit, but like you're doing the same whatever forty right. minutes, but whatever the, the amount of time is. Um, but now I'm kind of forcing myself. Like last night, I forced myself to throw in a new joke, right. and that's just an ongoing thing. Yeah, and especially if you're even if you're only doing like ten minutes of material as a host. You just throw it in the middle, and then if right. it doesn't do well, you just move on. Keep on going. Uh, and that's incredibly important. Hosting is a different animal, too. Oh, fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, tried, I, uh, I tried hosting the other night for the first time. I've never obviously hosted before, and I probably grossly underestimated the, the task at hand. Yeah. But to get up in front of a room full of technically cold people that yeah, have not heard. Better get them on your side or you <laughs> you would might as well just get off the fucking stage. <laughs> I, I tried popping off a joke and it didn't go as great as I had planned. And uh it I think part of the uh the I don't know, for myself anyway, I was like well, I always have the ace in the back pocket of saying, well, hey, your next comedian coming up on stage. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but like, you don't want to bring them up. You can't cold. do that too I, cold. I right? actually cut my opening uh, set short last night because uh, to bring up the middle right? because I got a big laugh and I was like, why Why chance it? Sure. Bring this guy up on a high note. And that's right. your job. Like, Here's how I know if I did a good job hosting. Right. Did I get groped by an old lady after the show? <laughs> in Edmonton, yes. Last night, after the show, I'm playing blackjack at the casino. Oldest, largest <laughs> woman at the show just came up from behind and, and grabbed my moobs, my man boobs. And was like, oh, we missed you. But at that point, I wasn't hosting anymore. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Who are you? Just doubling down. Jesus, oh, man, that's so that's dynamite. that's how you know if if the if old lady something good. If the old ladies want some. <laughs> you struck do, a you're chord. doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, tell me a bit about your family. Do you come from a big family? No, no, a uh, very small family. I have uh, two parents who are like insanely supportive. Are it they? Is, oh, they're they're perfect. I. That's good to hear. I hope they're man. not listening to this. I don't <laughs> want them to get fucking <laughs> get egos. <laughs> no, they are they are awesome. They love each other very much. Super supportive. Yeah. Um, they usually come out to like one show a month. No shit. Be, yeah. They live in Oakville. I live in Toronto. And I right. do like a monthly show yeah. uh, in Toronto, a comedy bar. Uh, so they're friends. They're better friends with a lot of comics than I am. No way. Oh, yeah. Like That's Dave Merhage is one of the best comics I in the country. Dave, yeah. yeah. My dad just has a new five minutes for him every time he sees him. <laughs> my mom no has way. traded uh, recipes with Deborah DiGiovanni. Oh, my God. Oh, no yeah. Way. No, That's they. Crazy. Yeah. And then I have a, a brother, uh, and he's uh, two years younger than me. 
mm-hmm. uh, and then a sister who is nine years younger. And, no way. Yeah, we're no. all real close and. That's everything's, amazing, man. Yeah, everything's great, man. I don't know, because I think in comedy you hear so many stories about like comedians are tortured souls and they come yeah. from a lot of I have a small dick, so that's where my... <laughs> kind of makes oh, up for Oh, my God, it's <laughs> tiny. It's ridiculous. And I'm, no, but that's great to hear, man. That, like, yeah, they're cool, man. really involved. I and, wish and, I could be like, oh, feel bad. My yeah. Not that other people do, but... Sure. Like, oh, my dad ate my dog <laughs> and my mom shot him. No, I don't have any of that. I... That's it's, crazy. It's great, man. I, I, it's just luck of the draw kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. no, it certainly certainly helps. Yeah. Actually, um, the show, early show tomorrow night, Right. the couple who introduced my parents to each other, they're coming. No shit. I've never met them. Really? So I am going to punch them. <laughs> so uh, you couldn't find me a better dad, fucking assholes. Dick size is genetic. Why did you do this to me? So but, these two were playing Cupid yeah. back, whatever, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, n- I think they met in like 19, oh, Jesus, 1976, Holy 77, so like 40 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. It is crazy. They just happened to move out here. My dad called the guy. He was like, oh, my son's going to be at uh, Yuck Yucks. Yeah. The guy was like, yeah, we'll come. What, did you, uh, what do your parents do? Uh, they're both retired now. My mom... Yeah. Uh, my mom was uh, an accountant, Holy but shit. then she got cancer twice. No way. Yeah, man. Wow. Never smoked a day in her life. Neither of my parents. Fuck. <clears throat> and my dad, uh, also retired, was a train engineer. No way. For, so I have a couple jokes about that. <laughs> he was a train engineer for like 37 years. Holy shit. Um, and he was going to retire after year 38. Right. But he was driving the train, and he hit someone with the train. Like a human or a Oh, car? yeah. No, he hit a person. Holy shit. Yeah, drilled him. It's been fucking traumatic. No, not really. <laughs> no, he like four or five people. He doesn't give a fuck. But here's the thing. <laughs> I hope I'm not getting him in trouble right now. But I might be. I'll tell the story anyway. It's the Bell Let's Talk series on the uh, yeah. yeah. No, there was like some drunk middle-aged guy right. on the tracks. My dad's blasting the horn. Sure. But it's not like it takes like two miles to stop a train. Right. And right. it's not like you can make a right turn. Right, you're on a fucking swerving. track. Yeah, you're, that's it. Like it, you're either going straight or you're not doing anything. That's it. <laughs> so he's driving the train. He's he's blasting the horn, blasting right. the horn. The guy turns around. As he turns around, his left shoulder gets hit. Holy shit! And he's pushed up against like a shorter chain link fence. Right. So it takes a long time to stop a train. And the protocol is when you hit someone with the train, you have to stop the train. Right. And find them. So they did wow. that. So my dad and the other engineer get off the train. They split up, and they're looking for the guy. Right. And I think it was my dad's partner, the co-engineer, who found him. But he rate, my dad told me this. I thought it was hilarious. He's like, uh, I think this is him. <laughs> like, there's 12 other people missing fucking arms <laughs> in the middle of the snow. So my dad was going to retire in a year, but that's a unionized job. Right, right. So... You get a year of like mental and distress leave. leave. Yeah. So he did that, but then they were right. like, you have to see a counselor. Right. So he called me. He was like, you took acting classes, right? How do I act distressed? <laughs> and I was like, fuck, dude, I don't know. I'm not but that tore up honestly, about Honestly, like I feel, I feel bad for the guy who died, sure. but this is 100% true. Six months later, the job that my dad was working, uh, it was all over the news. This is right. uh, close to four years ago. 
the train that he would have been on right. derailed in Burlington. Holy they shit. were going like 70 where they should have been going 30. Right. And the two engineers and a trainee all died. Wow. So had that not happened, he would have my dad would have died. He would have died. Yeah. That is fucking so, crazy how that I works. I mean, sorry to the guy who died, but sure, I still have but, a dad, so yeah. I'll fucking take it. I'll go hit someone right now, <laughs> keep my dad around. That is intense, man. Yeah, it's nuts. That is crazy. It, it is really crazy. Did you spend a lot of time on trains growing up then? Um, Did you do that? Not a, a whole lot. I drove a train once. Did you? When I was a little kid, my dad brought me on the train. Yeah. Yeah. Got up to like 80 kilometers an Holy hour. Holy shit. So, Those things are fucking powerhouses, man. Oh, yeah. You can do some real fucking damage. Yeah. Yeah, he's I told live out stories. in a little small town called Cochrane, just like, whatever, 45 minutes away. Yeah. And uh, we just, over the course of the last six months, I think we've hit, there's two people. One of them, I think, was on purpose. They kind of just, yeah. I think that happens a lot. Oh, yeah. The other ones, you know, either, like you said, you know, they drunk off their ass or not, you know, whatever. But you can hear him laying on the horn. Yeah, And still, like, it just, it fucking happens. Well, people, whenever it's reported that someone was hit by a train, they will say, like, oh, a Via train struck a passenger. No, there are tracks. You know exactly where the fucking train <laughs> It was like it going. came out of nowhere. Yeah, they're not calling audibles. <laughs> if there are tracks, get the fuck off of them. And you'll, you, will, you will never be hit by a train. Absolutely, Ever. man. Yeah. It's like, it's oh, there was a works. shark attack. Don't go in the fucking ocean, dude. That's it. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. These people. Oh, my God, man. That is crazy. Yeah. But my dad told me uh, every the first year I moved to Toronto, I took the GO train home. It's right. like a greater Toronto area train service. Sure. Um, to my parents' place in Oakville, and there was a delay. So I mm-hmm. called my dad. He was going to pick me up at the station. Right. And I was like, oh, there's a delay. They said there's a signal error. He's like, uh, what station are you at? I'll pick you up. And I was like, right. no, you, they just said there's... And he's like, no, it's Christmas Eve. Every Christmas Eve, someone jumps in front of the train. Holy shit. So that's what it was. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... I would want something... Uh, not that this is... And I actually have a joke about <laughs> killing myself, which I don't... It's not a thing that's going to happen. I just thought, oh, this is funny. Right. Um, I would want more of a guarantee. <laughs> like like you're going to end up dead. Yeah. yeah. I want like a hundred, like hanging yourself. There are a lot of physics involved in that. Absolutely. You can, like, you can have a permanent scar around your neck from the rope, but not kill yourself. Absolutely. And then yeah. you have to wear scarves like a fucking asshole the rest of your life <laughs> until you get successful at killing yourself. I want like carbon monoxide. Just put daddy to sleep, done deal. That's right. Jumping in front, imagine if you just lost your legs. Oh, Then you God. can't even get up to hang yourself. Oh, man. That's, That's the worst trade. attempted suicide. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Then how would you feel to your friends after? Yeah. You'd be like, dude, you couldn't even fucking do that correctly? Yeah, we're not <laughs> hanging out with you anymore. And then you don't have anybody to help you kill yourself. You got that tunic, that scarf, like you work for West Yeah, That's the, the worst. Yeah, what are you, a flight attendant? You pussy? <laughs> Jesus. That is so great, man. Have there been people in the game that you've looked up to in your career that have turned around and maybe opened doors or gave you hands up? Oh, yeah, man. So many. Um, I'm for sure going to forget people. I mean, uh, Dave Merhaj, again, is one of the nicest guys. He's in L.A. now, right? He is. He's killing it. um, He's doing well. He actually did my New Year's Eve show in Toronto while he was around, which was great. Like He's just a lovely guy. Yeah. Uh, Ron Jossel. 
who, when I was six months in, met me two hours before a show right. to help me write. Holy shit. And it's like, he didn't know me from a hole in the wall. He yeah. had, he'd maybe seen me at two open mics, but he was just super nice. And that's something wow. I'll never forget. Yeah. Like just people going out of their way to be helpful. Um, geez, like all the guys I started, I was very lucky that I started out with a bunch of comics who are still doing it and are just absolutely like just some of the most talented people in the yeah. country, like Matt O'Brien, Alex Pavone, Rob Bevanick, Mark DeBonis. Yeah. Uh, I just saw Mark a little while ago, man. Yeah, he's awesome. awesome. And those are like, those are the four or five guys that I started out with. So I've just... Yeah timing and kind of where i started was uh was very lucky it's so funny because i've heard a lot of stories from <coughs> amazing comedians and a lot of the a lot of the same story is like oh i went up the first time and i was fucking horrible or it took me a long time to re but it really is that craft that you really have to sculpt over time it doesn't yeah. come natural to a lot of people i was talking with uh norm mcdonald like mm -hmm. three or four years ago i went to see him uh, downtown Yuck Yucks and I went right. out the back door to have a cigarette yeah. and two minutes later he popped out and we were just shooting the shit. No way. And it was really cool. He was like, ah, you, you my opener? And I was like, I, I can be. <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, it's alright. <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, kind of a dick. And then after the show he was like, hey, opener, come over here. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's talking. And we just, he was like, so you're a comic and just talked to me for like 15 minutes and he was cool. And no he was way. like, what was your first time like? And I told him and like it wasn't the worst yeah yeah but i didn't know that you could bring notes on stage at an open mic right right so i wrote out like i was cheating on like a grade 12 math test <laughs> a little cheat sheet in my hand thinking nobody would see me because it worked in high school so you're doing a whole caught. like oh jesus what the? yeah pretty much <laughs> i'd like cough into my hand one point the paper almost fluttered out i had to kind of grab it midair uh but i forget exactly what he said but he's telling me about me about his first time and he was like it right. was it was so fucking bad. No way. And yeah, it's like meeting guys like that where it's like, oh, okay, I'm not the kind only normalizes one who struggled. And sure. like, obviously, there are major steps that, you know, you can, you can take and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Because it's hard to, it's hard because some people say that. They're like, oh my God, yeah, he was horrible when he first started. It's the same thing as like Jim Carrey. And even though a lot of the stuff that he does, it, like when he started out, was a lot of impressions and, you know, kind of the yeah. hokey comedy shit. You just never think that these people were that fucking horrible when they started. Oh, out. yeah. There's yeah. some people that I've seen on stage, and I'm like, what? It's not, I don't think that you're in the right game. And then a year could go by, and you see them again, and you're like, I don't know what opened up for you, but something made yeah. sense. I mean, point. sometimes something will just click. Sometimes people will just decide to work harder. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, who knows, right? Like, you just, you just never know. And that's why... Um, like I'm certainly not uh, a social person and right. I'm positive that a lot of people think that I'm a dick because I'm not outgoing. Right. And it's weird because some of my buddies, uh, like Matt O'Brien, Alex Pavone, very outgoing social guys sure. and I'm not. So I, I'm sure that a lot of people look at me and think, Oh, like what, what the fuck's his problem? Right. And that's like something I'm working on where, cause you don't want a reputation like that. You don't want to close doors on possible opportunities right all because you're a quiet person so it's just like it's it's very weird how it how it works in that way yeah. i guess i've just always been kind of a, a quiet guy introverted a bit more yeah oh absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah big time 
Have you had shows that have just gone completely fucking sideways for you? Hostile crowd? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, uh, I used to run a room in Toronto. Right. And uh, it was a weekly room. And I think I only did four shows. Like, the bar was recently renovated. It was very nice. And I was actually building up a pretty good size audience. Yeah. Uh, like, the first show was packed. Second show was probably 75%. Third show was, like, 70%. But there was one drunk Irish guy right. who, when I went up to start the show, would not stop yelling. And it wasn't like, I can take heckling. Give me heckling any day. Sure. It was just loud. Right. And none of the bar staff would do anything. They were like, oh, this is Martin. Martin, if you're listening, fuck you. <laughs> Absolute dick, this guy. It was. I had... Uh, Matt O'Brien was doing the show. Yeah. Chris Locke, who wow. blows my mind with how fucking funny he is, sure. was supposed to headline. And he was like, I'm so sorry. Is it okay if I don't do the show? And I was like, absolutely. No, I sure. don't want to do the show either. And, and this then, guy was just fucking obnoxious as hell. It was insane. Wow. Oh, yeah. So that is easily the worst show wow. that I've ever done. For the most part, like shows go well. Like Sometimes... Uh, like sometimes a joke or two won't hit. Right. Sometimes they're not like, you know, super crazy about you. But yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, uh, after this, I'm sure the social anxiety disorder will kick in and I'll just be running through all the bad shows I've had. Right. Um, but that's really the one that sticks out in my mind. That's as, crazy, oh, man. it was a fucking nightmare. Wow. Yeah. I wish that he was on train and tracks. There's nothing at worse point. than like having a room where like, you know, you're up on stage or whatever, and, and the bar staff is just not... They didn't give a fuck. They didn't care. They were worried about continuing to overserve this guy. He right. was clearly drunk out of his mind. And then he tried to talk to me. I was hosting in between comics and being like, oh, no, I, I'm just trying to help. And I was like, help yourself and stop fucking drinking and get out of here. You're an absolute monster. Oh man, you know sometimes people forget about that that part of the job is that you're. It's really about managing people and and making that connection right off the bat, and getting in the room. And it, it, if if you don't have that ability, like it's, I think it kind of goes a couple of ways. You go into a room and either you have that confidence and you absolutely own it, but there's sometimes that that confidence doesn't fucking matter if there's somebody in exactly. there that's just constantly interrupting. Yeah. If someone is trying to be, like, playful, and especially if I'm hosting a show, like, that's sure. part of your job right. is to kind of prime the audience for the rest of the acts. Right. Um, like, in Edmonton, the early, this is last weekend, the early show on the Saturday was the most fun maybe I've ever had doing really? stand-up. No yeah. Shit. Oh, yeah. Because one of the things you ask as a host is, like, oh, is anybody celebrating anything? And there were, like, seven or eight different birthdays no way yeah and so i was just kind of like ripping on them all and then there was this group of ladies one of whom molested me after the show uh so i know <laughs> i did well but i did so much crowd work and it was like the show was sold out and they were amazing i was killing it that i only yeah. did i think two or three jokes off the top in like the i was up there for probably about 15 minutes no way and the rest yeah. was just working it was crowd. just riffing and it was wow. great and so like playful banter yeah. Especially when I'm the one encouraging it, is awesome. Like that's when I have the most fun. Because like, even if it's a new joke, right. once you've done it five, six times, it's like okay, I know what I'm doing, right. and blah blah right. blah. But the crowd, where you have no idea what's coming your way, and it's yeah. when it works, and when they're they're into it, and they're 
contributing. It's a great back and forth. Everybody wins. That's so much fun. Do you but, notice a big difference between like an Edmonton crowd and, and, and a Calgary crowd? Not yet, only because I've only done the, the one show here. Right. And the one show last night uh, was a fundraiser for synchronized swimmers. Right. So I made fun of that a little bit. <laughs> because there were probably uh, 170 people there, which is oh, a good-sized crowd. Good, uh, the club good. holds 250, but 170, like, I'm, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. But I'm a smoker, and I went to the washroom, so I walked around a little bit just to kind of look over the audience, and there were two black people. <laughs> so I went up, and I was like, yeah, oh, is this like a synchronized swimming fundraiser? And they were like, woo! I was like, I knew it had to be some bullshit charity. It had to be a white person thing, because there were only two black people in the crowd. You people are ridiculous. Brilliant. What about like... Lunches for underprivileged children. What about a tutoring? No. Dancing underwater. I was like, is our rhythm that bad that we need to do it underwater so nobody can see? Oh, fuck, man. That's brilliant. Dude. Some of them liked it, and some of them were just like, ugh, my Jenny's going to be a star. And like, no, no she's, no, she's not. And I was like, what are you raising the money? Like, nose plugs? Ear plugs? Shower caps? My Jenny's going to be a star. Losers. Oh it was my God. ridiculous. That is fucking dynamite. And I guess it went well. I got groped again. So, <laughs> And and to speak to the two black people at the club, uh, that's probably a pretty normal ratio in Calgary. <laughs> I've kind of, fa- I've seen, yeah. It's crazy, it's, man. It's Come, insane. I mean, coming from like myself, coming from a market like Houston, where I'm probably the minority, you know, it's predominantly yeah. black. You okay. know, in some of the urban areas and stuff like that. And I come to Calgary and it's just like, okay, either you play for the Stamps or uh, you just happen to wander into the wrong club or something yeah. like that. It doesn't seem to be an overabundance like you, of... Uh, you fell asleep on like a cross-country train <laughs> and you're like, oops, Miss Toronto. Yeah, no, it's... it's. But I mean, at the same time, I do live in Toronto, uh, supposedly the most multicultural Big city pot, diverse, on earth. Yeah, sure. And I, I certainly believe it. However, I grew up in Oakville, Ontario. Um, That's about half an hour outside of Toronto. It's like uh, supposedly one of the the most well-off places. I think it's the richest per capita uh, town in Canada. But I didn't meet a black person until I was like 19. (laughs) It is so... I think it's changed. The demographic has certainly changed since I left. No shit. But yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. I... Actually, this is actually true. My first day of junior kindergarten, right? my parents like picked me up and they were like, oh, so how was it? I was like, it was good. And they were like, did you meet any friends? And I was like, yeah, there's a boy in my class named Robert. And they were like, okay. And I was like, Robert's face is black and his arms are black. I think his whole body might be black. <laughs> and so my parents bring that up uh, once, once every six months. I had no idea. Like I just grew up in this bubble where it's like, oh, oh my God, nanny man. and papa are white. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I just, I was not exposed to different cultures at all. That is crazy. Yeah. I noticed that, though, like when I moved to Canada. I mean, I moved here, you know, a while and then spent some time here back and forth. But I moved initially to a small town in Canada. And uh, people were like, it's funny because like, I'm Hispanic, but I got a lot of mix in me or whatever. But mm-hmm. It's just funny. I moved to the small town, Alberta, and it was like, okay, he's either native, uh, Pakistani, uh, or you know, East Indian, or something like that. Or, or yeah. it, there's just 
there's not these big clicks of melting pots uh, unless you get to a bigger city. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, it's like either you're Asian and you run the local diner or the, the one Chinese food that's at every small town, Alberta, yep. usually. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you're typically the immigrant that works at Max or 7-Eleven or something that, uh, right. that's yeah. in a small town. They just they couldn't wrap their head around that. Oh, like, it's weird. What are you? What? Yeah, it's, it's so... Crazy, man. Yeah. I went to Kingston, Ontario right. uh, probably about three years ago. First white cab driver I've ever seen in my life. And it was a, a female. <laughs> right. And first female cab driver yeah. I've ever seen. And I was wow, just like, man. like I asked the guy at the club, I was like, there was a white female cab driver. <laughs> what the fuck is going How on? How did that? Are you guys that racist? That you just, and he wouldn't give me a straight answer. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, it all makes sense. Probably. That's great. Oh man, what's up next for you? And and where can uh, actually? Well, yeah, let's. What's up next for you? But you're you're on tour right now. And, yeah, and, uh, uh, a couple more shows uh, tonight and tomorrow uh, here in Calgary. Right, and then the following week I'll be in Vancouver. Um, also going to be in Hamilton, Ontario, Niagara Falls, Toronto. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, just kind of going all over and awesome. uh, enjoying it as much as I can. Good stuff, man. And yeah. where can people find you? I know you got a great uh, Twitter. I just followed you on uh, Twitter oh, a okay, while cool. ago. And, yeah, uh, at Pat McDonald. And uh, website's patmcdonaldcomedy.com. And uh, I have all my dates up there. And Perfect. And a couple of videos of me talking about my cat and uh, raccoons and all that good stuff. <laughs> so everything you could ever ask for in a website. <laughs> We'll definitely put those links up, man, and some links up to some of those cat uh, videos as well. But, uh, hey, man, thanks for doing this, Pat. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. All right, folks, and there you have it, the Pat McDonald interview. Did I not tell you that was awesome? That was killer? What a great guy, man. Just absolutely true talent. Check him out. Hey, on behalf of myself and all the crew here at Yuck Yucks, thank you so much for putting up with me and uh, listening to this fine podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying it. we got lots more on the go. On behalf of myself and all the crew here at Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Breslin, Executive Producer Kira Williams, and of course our webmaster, Camille Sorobi. This is Jake Hirsch signing off. We will see you next week. <laughs>